Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It has been 59 games, Chris. <laughs> 59 games. 400. Including 44 in the tenure of one Matthew north of the border. And yet, here we are. After the streak of 59 games, the Steelers finally did it. 400 yards of offense. Good afternoon, everybody. A good victory Monday to you all. This is, of course, the Southside Beat, as we are every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern on DK Pittsburgh Sports, streaming live on YouTube and then later in podcast form. He is Chris Halleck. I am Corey Christen. The Steelers are a winner once again. A 16-7 win, a triumph. I said it was going to be low scoring. I joked that it was going to be a Chris Boswell special, but they included a touchdown in there for me too, Chris. But nonetheless, the Steelers put themselves back in good position, back in good graces with another victory. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, man. Like, I I think, uh, you know, I I was really curious, obviously really curious to see what was going to happen, you know, just because, you know, first game about Matt Canada, you know, we we know the offense isn't going to be completely different because it's the same playbook. It's a lot of the same concepts. It's just, you know, how is the game plan going to go? How are they going to call this? How are how are they going to sequence things differently? Um, and man alive, very first play, right over the middle, Pat Fryerth. Uh, <laughs> I mean, calling forwards against cover two. Uh, that that to me is just everything about everything about that was uh, was glorious. Everything about that, not just the play call, but Kenny's execution of it, his anticipation to throw. Um, Friar moves route running, everything about it, man. Everything about that play was was phenomenal. And Monagahela Mock, uh, it honestly should have been 2310. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think if that game's played in Pittsburgh, uh, I think Mike Tomlin challenges it because he probably would have seen it on the scoreboard. Honestly, you need to be better prepared for whenever certain plays like that happen on the road. Uh, that's something that's got to be challenged, uh, because that should have been a touchdown. Uh, legitimate. Uh, I understand people hating. I, I, I don't understand people hating on Deontay for that. Yeah. Three feet down possession of the ball. I mean, it, it, the, the whole surviving the ground thing doesn't exist anymore uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, man, it was crazy. Uh, first, first like, watching it live, it looked a little bit different. The main thing that I like take away from me, and I'll, I'll kick it back to you, is like, he look or free. Not that he was like out there slinging it all over the place or anything like that. It wasn't like that, but he just, he looked, 
he looked more free than he had under Matt Canada, especially over those last few games under under Canada. He just looked like he looked like a different quarterback, but it because it was because he looked like a guy who went in with the purpose of doing things outside of the same three, four types of throws that he was doing before. Mm-hmm. I know I said uh, 16, seven, I meant 16, 10, of course. And by the way, hope you all got to have a happy Thanksgiving, a happy Thanksgiving weekend, uh, celebrating with your loved ones. If you were able to, I certainly did a uh, good trip over in Durham, North Carolina, despite uh, pit football's uh, lack of winning, by the way, I think the state of Pennsylvania in general sense is an offensive coordinator problem. First Penn state, then Steelers, then Pitt. Uh, you know, Philadelphia Eagles are buzzing, so I don't think they're making any changes anytime soon. Unless, but Eddie, I mean Eddie Faulkner, man. Like yeah. in terms of first game as offensive coordinator, well, well done. Like, like, mm-hmm. and, and I'm being, I'm being. That's not just because of the 421 yards. Like, and I'll this one. Talked about later today. Um, going back through and really watching this, you can you can tell that there was a specific game plan to attack the Bengals, not only their tendencies, but where they're weakest. And I'm they, and they executed it. That, that is not just game planning that's coaching. And the offensive coordinator is clearly a big part of that. Uh, well, I mean, in terms of first game as an NFL offensive coordinator, I don't care if you have to have the interim tag on there. Phenomenal job by Eddie Faulkner, like for real, like, mm-hmm. especially if it's not his playbook. Really? It's not really his playbook. (laughs) One for one, right? In terms of engineering victory. Now, I'm not trying to rain on the parade. I never want to on a victory Monday, but 400 yards and only, right? 16 points. So still more meat on the bone, so to speak, for Kenny Pickett in this offense. But that being said, for me, the big takeaway is, of course, they win. That's the big thing. Of course, they they put the 400 yards up. That's another thing. But I think what this win was able to do, especially after all of the drama and fallout and the reported, you know, Deontay Johnson, make a Fitzpatrick thing. And then like all of this stuff over the last week, the Browns loss, firing Matt Canada, getting Mike Sullivan and Eddie Falker into the, the coordinator and play caller roles. I think that after all of that, like getting the win, number one, it just like, like sigh of relief stuff, right? Because think mm-hmm. about it. If the Steelers lose this game, yes, I know the Cardinals and the Patriots, they're like vying in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, right? As far as the draft mm-hmm. is concerned. But you wanted to feel good about the offense. You wanted to feel positive about the offense going into those two games. And at minimum, at minimum, I know it's, only 16 points, but 400 plus yards and a win. It gives you something good to feel about as far as the flow of this team and about what they could do over the next few weeks here. Two very winnable should be wins over the next two weeks. Of course, the Cardinals coming up Sunday, then the Patriots on a short week. Two very beatable opponents. And then you kind of ride into a tougher close to the season in the last four weeks. So, you know, that's what this win did for me. It gave me a sense of confidence. And look, even if they lose the game, right, that's one thing to branch off of. But at least you had the 400 yards and you had the output and you were able to minimally 
make steps. Like we said it all along, Matt Canada being fired was only going to be a step in improvements. It's only going to be the start of improvements. And what you saw was, I think, from a production standpoint, more than perhaps what was expected out of Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett gives you that feel and that confidence once again. And to me, I think the shot of the game came after the game. When Kenny's in the, in the outside of the tunnel, outside of the locker room, and he's bumping fists, hugging, shaking hands, every player that walked by him and walked into the locker room after him. And it just shows that he renewed some of that confidence now with Matt Canada away. Now, look, we talked about the tenor of the locker room over last week after Canada was fired. Obviously, everybody felt for Canada the person. But I think it's clear by this point the handicapping that Canada was giving the Steelers on the field, and we were never second-guessing that. And now you got to see with Eddie Faulkner running the show and Mike Sullivan calling the show that they were able to kind of absolve some of that and, and put that best foot forward. And Kenny Pickett put the challenge out Wednesday. Answer the bell. That's what he said to the offense. And you could say that they did do that on Sunday. Uh, well, I'm just really quick because this just popped up. Frank says Canadian, it would do well against the Blitz. Uh, when Cincinnati first started bringing pressure in the second quarter, no, he didn't, but he got better as the, as the game progressed. So um, I, I, I don't – listen – I'm I'm gonna have a couple uh, at least one example in my chalk talk of of a, of like a can, um I won't say complaint but still area for improvement I'll say and I'll I'll save that for chalk talk you know on on the on the site later mm-hmm. um, but well, I I mean in terms of that we've talked about like waiting for that four the, for that full four quarter performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say this is the Kenny Pickett breakout game. I don't want to say I don't, that. I don't either. I don't. But either. but this was a four. This is as close to as a four quarter performance as I've seen from him, from start to finish. Um, apparently, like uh, yeah, somebody's saying like. So you were saying yeah, it beforehand. Yeah, you're chopping, bud. I don't know I don't why. Know, I don't know what's popping I, in your place. Might, are you on the right Wi-Fi? Are you on the appropriate connection over there? Not Usually I'm have, the one that's I only, struggling. I only have one. I only have one connection, and it's AT and T fiber, which is 500 megabit internet. Mm. So I I don't know I don't what know. it is. I don't know. But anyway, you you are jumping um, a little bit. I will say that, but we'll we'll keep it moving. It, usually it's me the one that's jumping. So we're used yeah, to handling this. Yeah, those that uh those that tuned in know that uh, we we deal with this. By the way, quick programming uh, for the week. Okay. So I'm I'm done with Pitt's football season. So there's no more like Friday, you know, travel issue. There's no more of that. So Chris and I are pretty much in full force for the rest of the season. Uh, today there was no locker room, no nothing. Mike Tomlin gave the team off today, completely 100% off today. And then tomorrow, of course, is a player's day off, but it is a Tomlin Tuesday uh, on the south side. So Mike Tomlin in his weekly press conference Tuesday at noon, and I will be there for that, of course. And then usual business throughout the rest of the week. Uh, Wednesday's practice till three. So you'll have Chris for about the first 10, 15, however many minutes. And then I'll jump in. And then Thursday, same thing, coordinator Thursday. Um, and then practice till three. And I'll jump in after that. And then Friday is pretty much an abbreviated day as it usually is on the south side. So, um, okay. I think I figured it. Th- well, never mind. What'd you do? I was going to say, I th- say I th- 
figured out was I had my other computer open. I have two. I have, I usually just have the one computer. I had two computers open because I wanted to read some stats from the mm-hmm. game. And as soon as I closed it, it got better. But now, like, I'm seeing this little bar thing. It's in, like, my connection keeps jumping. So I don't know what's going on. Chris is downloading Frozen or something. I'm definitely not. Kid. Whatever movie definitely it is not. for his I, kids. No. <laughs> Elf. But, uh, He's downloading Elf. He's downloading the deleted I, scene from Elf I didn't when they played have, ice hockey. No, man. I don't have to d- download anything when it comes to Elf. I've had Elf for he's, a long he's time. He's downloading WWE Money in the Bank 2011. If you know, you know. Uh, no, the best um, in the world is back, baby. Let, that's another yeah. show. Um, but yeah, so that's so anyway, normal week. Um, I'm actually gonna hop off real quick and see if I can get back real quick. All so. right, go ahead. Chris is gonna reset. William, I, low res Corey will be here. Do not fret. Low res Corey will be here Wednesday and Thursday pretty much regularly now, uh, throughout the rest of the regular season. So, you know, you're gonna want to stay tuned for that. Um, again, pit football is pretty much over with, so um, we will be. Uh, full force on the Steelers stuff. Of course, some pit hoops mixed in as well. Um, so anyway, we're talking, of course, about the Steelers victory 16, 10 over the Bengals. And like the big takeaway for me was just the overall sheer idea and the, in the sheer, just like concept of getting the win after the Browns game. Oh, let's see where Chris is at. Are we here? Yep. We'll see. There you are. All right. We'll see. You look better. You look better. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, how about Nick Herbig, by the way? Woo! That closing speed was good. That was, that was excellent from Nick Herbig. Yeah. By the way, these rookies now that the 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 uh, the chains are off, so to speak, the shackles are off. I mean, we've seen Joey Jr. do really well in a bunch of spots. Darnell Washington. The more the more of these rushes from Najee and Jalen that I watch, the more I see eighty just moving people. Like he dominated Sam Hubbard on more than one occasion on Sunday. Keanu Benton has been the best rookie on the Steelers this year, in my opinion. And then Nick Herbig, when he's getting his chances, of course, it's a little tough when you have TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith to work in 51, but he's looked good in his snaps too. So I, I'm excited about this rookie class and what they've been able to do this year. And of course, uh, Trenton Thompson, welcome to the show, Trenton Thompson. Big interception. Yeah. What a play he made on that one. Not a rookie, but, um, you know, of course, of course, the practice squad and all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, of course, a lot of the talk today is going to be about the offense. Casey brings up the three tight end sets. That's what we've talked about this when Pat Fryermuth was not healthy, when Pat Fryermuth was out. This is the this is what Pat Fryermuth unlocks for this offense. Like I, you can look at the passing charts, for example. Kenny Pickett last week to Kenny Pickett this week. Just look at how many throws over the middle of the field there were on Sunday compared to any game. Pick a game this season, right? And a lot of that, a lot of that has to do with Pat Frymuth's return. Like he does things that very few tight ends in the NFL, forget about Darnell Washington or, or Connor Hayward. He does things that very few tight ends in the NFL are able to do when it comes to getting up the seam and creating space in the middle of the defense and getting open and being an option like that for Kenny Pickett. And yeah, B Phil mentions this was a different Kenny. I think a, a, I think a part of that has to do with Pat Frymuth's return. And I think that's very obvious to point out. Yeah. Okay. I, I gotta. We gotta address the elephant in the room here uh, because mm-hmm. some people complain that the line. No. Just no. No. Steeler Seven Girl says he need. Uh, he need, uh, Tom needs to bench Deontay Johnson a couple games. Listen. Um, I I I don't want to try to pretend that like no matter what Deontay says he saw or didn't see on the fumble play. 
Um, dude, okay. This is okay. Who else? Who else are you gonna put out there, Mister Nick of Time? I mean, who else? Who else are you gonna put out there when it comes to Deontay? Calvin Austin. I mean, Calvin Austin, like really promising talent, but is he gonna be able to get open the way Deontay gets open? No. Is Allen Robinson gonna be able to get get open the way that Allen uh, that Deontay gets open? No. I mean, what's what's really really fun? No, no, no. He can't. He can't watch the no. film. Austin cannot get open the same way that Deontay can. And by the way, when Deontay was out, they put Calvin Austin in that role. And I'm not saying he failed at performing it, but he's not. He's not Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson as a route runner and his ability to separate. It doesn't get talked about enough how good it actually is. Like, okay, think about it in this spectrum too. Against the Browns. Deontay made a call, a hot route, streaking wide open, and Kenny missed him. That's on Kenny, not Deontay. Deontay made the right call, the right read. And, yeah, there was a miscommunication on it, and, and there was discussion about it. But, like, that's a prime example of that. Like, I understand I understand this point of view, okay? Deontay Johnson's getting paid to be a one, right? And some might think that Deontay Johnson's not producing like he should be a one. I understand that, and I understand the argument for that. But I also will argue that he is the best pass-catching option in this offense when healthy. I understand George Pickens and, and the freak athlete quotient that he brings and just how amazing he can be at times. But I think that Deontay Johnson's ability – you saw it in the first game Deontay came back this year after his injury. His ability mm -hmm. to separate, his ability to get open, his ability to create other matchups for George Pickens – I think that ability does not get shown in the box score, and that's things people forget. And, yes, I know Deontay with the fumble, and, like, that's going to be buzzed about all week. I understand that. And, and look, here's, here's it from Chris G. Tomlin will deal with Deontay Johnson privately. There's no way he's getting benched. Yes and yes. If Mike Tomlin really has to take umbrage with what Deontay Johnson did with the fumble or any other thing that happened, then Mike Tomlin's going to do that behind closed doors. He's not going to speak about it publicly. I will bet tomorrow and Tomlin Tuesday, if Mike Tomlin's asked about that, one of two things will happen. He will answer it with a, he will answer it with a one of two things. One will be, I have no clue what you're talking about, or we're going to handle that privately and not discuss it publicly. Th you that's know what? just what's going to happen. I'm going to give you another th another option for that too. He might say Jalen shouldn't put the ball on the ground. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, come on, like of all, okay, yes. Should Deontay be paying attention and be playing through the whistle? I'm not saying that he should that he should just be standing there doing whatever he was doing. The thing that should piss you off more about anything else on the play is Jalen Warren fumbling the football. That should be the thing that irritates you more than anything because right. it was literally giving the ball to the other team. You can't give the ball away if you don't fumble. So sure. what Deontay does at that point, yes, you 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 can try to be a good teammate, you know, bail your guy out. You don't have to do that if you protect the football, right? I, I, that 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 to me is is there is I don't I don't understand I don't I don't understand and, and and Spice Creations just you know saying saying the same thing you know it's just like that that to me and and this is another thing Hodge thirty one fifteen says Tomlin not challenging but prevented all of it it's true the very the play before Deontay had a touchdown. I mean, there are still people who are hating on the old oh, Deontay has got to hold on to that. Deontay did everything that he needed to do to get a touchdown Yeah. because the guy who's playing on the other side, guess what? He's made to make, he's, he's paid to make plays too. 
Yeah. And he was even paid to make a play. Those two little too late, got a hand in and knocked the ball out. But it was way too late by the time he knocked the ball out because he had three steps in possession of the ball. As soon as he gets possession of the ball and steps in the zone, the play's dead. It's over. Now, you would like the referee to make a better call on the field, but you don't always get that. So you had then have to rely on, on uh, you know, the, the coach's ability to challenge. Right. Anthony, we don't want to crucify the guy for that. You're right. But also on one play, we could say he should not have fumbled that football. Why? We're not going to put him down for the whole season because of that. Now, here's another thing, too, by the way. Deontay's not the only wide receiver that if he's not literally, literally, if he's not involved in the play, he doesn't do the play. Like, I've seen wide receivers in tight ends and running backs and quarterbacks. Like, when the quarterback hands the ball off, he's not charging up field to go block somebody more often than not. He's, he's kind of sitting back and watching it. From, from that perspective. Now, look, Deontay was not supposed to be involved in that play whatsoever. So, yeah, he's going to lollygag a little bit. He's going to maybe sell a route if he wanted to, but he didn't. But then, like, the ball comes his way. Yes, he should have reacted and should have tried to dive on the ball. You can criticize him for that. But also, this isn't the only time I've ever seen a wide receiver not perform in the play when he's supposed to be away from the play. Dude, when I was at Syracuse, when I was at New York for Pitt-Syracuse, a Syracuse receiver did a backflip, literally a backflip, standing backflip from where he was at because the run went to the other side of the field and the ball was just snapped and he just decided to do a backflip. Like, you got to remember these football players, like, they're dialed in for so many plays a week and so many snaps and so much workout and all this stuff. Like, I get it. There's a fun quotient to be had. I understand both sides of it. And look, yes, Deontay should have dove on the ball. Yes, Deontay should have been more aware of it. Yes, Deontay, perhaps because of the reported altercation, the verbal, you know, argument oh, with Baker. That, that, that to ago. me was it's a non-story. It's perhaps, a non-story. Perhaps, but to you it might not be, but to fans, that's some sour grapes, no doubt. And look, it and, wouldn't and be some, sour grapes if it see here's the thing is that first off, a lot of fans never played the game. But sure. let, let's let let's put let's put so that part I understand in terms of not understanding. Those of you who have played the game for at any kind of level, up like I'm going to say middle school probably be the absolute lowest level. Yeah. But if you played football in middle school, high school, college, or pro, scuffles in the locker room are not an uncommon thing. No. It's no, very common. Men. These are grown men with differing They're opinions. Grown men who are who have differing opinions, who are very competitive, and when things aren't going well, Carl, especially when. Like, like, good Lord. Like, like, like whenever, I mean, Deontay shooting that down yesterday. I mean, I put it in the Steelers feed because it's a report. It's a report. It's out there. It's going to get attention. I can't not put it. It's it's that that's the journalistic thing that you have to do just because I think it's not a story. Doesn't mean that I have to put that filter on and say, well, this isn't that big of a deal. Right. It's going to, it's news. It's going to get people talking. So it's, it's like a, it's a prerequisite for the job. My personal opinion, that's nothing. It's it, it literally is nothing. Yeah. So people want to talk about Deontay and Mitch getting into it last year or Deontay and Minka getting into it this year. Man, this stuff happens. And if, it, if every single locker room throughout the NFL were reported, it'd be happening every single week, multiple times a week, probably. Sure. It's just, but, yeah, go yeah. ahead. And by the way, I know there's a lot of criticism, like from the outside, that there's quote unquote no leaders in the in the in the locker room from the offense. The one guy that's tried 
at least tried to take on that role is Deontay Johnson. And I know that, like, I know the production on the field, some might say, well, you know, he drops too many passes to be talking as much as he does. Here's the thing about that, though. Like, after Ben Roethlisberger retires, you lose the locker room leader. You bring your locker room leader from that standpoint. You you bring in a rookie quarterback. Somebody has to be a voice of the offense, right? Like, I think an underrated, an underappreciated rather aspect of Cam Hayward. Like, I think a lot of diehards see this, but from the outside, not many people realize how important Cam Hayward's voice is for that defense. Yes, TJ makes a ton of plays. Yes, make is amazing as a safety. Yes, Joey Porter Jr. is a high-profile name as a rookie. But Cam Hayward's the guy. He's the guy, the straw that stirs the drink. He's the one that makes it go. The offense hasn't had a guy like that. Deontay has at least tried to be that guy. So, yeah, if the offense sucks and they're not and they're putting up 16 points a game or whatever it actually was with Matt, I think it was like 17, actually. And then they score 16 with the win with Eddie Faulkner. Um if if Deontay's pissed about the offense being terrible, then yeah, he's allowed to voice his opinion about it. It's why Najee Harris, after the Browns game, said what he said. It's the exact same thing, except Najee did it in a more, uh, how do I say this, compact way. He was more concise, compact, and direct with the way he did it. He didn't take it to a teammate. He didn't take it out loud. He was very reserved with it. If Deontay did it a different way, then maybe the argument would be a little more quote-unquote favorable for him. We're, we're burying everything that's positive about what happened on Sunday. It's that the Steelers are 7-4, and four, and they're in the fifth seed in the AFC with six games to play. We're burying that. Steely, Steely McBeaming says, make it Cam got into it last year. No one said. No one said anything about it. Yeah, it happens. It happens. This happens in every sport. Baseball, hockey, football, basketball. Oh, my gosh. You want to read drama? You want to read drama? Go read some of those other sports. It happens everywhere. This is this is the kind of stuff. And see, this, see, this is this is the um, this is the kind of stuff like right, right here. What 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 these past comments? Deontay, you know, you know, you could see Minka celebrating like for whatever reason, people get into whatever you know, whether it's the drops or whether it's oh, he runs backward all the time. Whatever the reason is, you hate Deontay Johnson. The dude could probably find a cure for cancer, and you probably still wouldn't be happy. It's just, it's whatever. I mean, he you, you can't. He's not going to be able to do anything that's going to win you over. And so, okay, it's that's fine. Whatever. When you say things like he's not a team player, that's just not true. You can think it. It's it, it just it's not true. You haven't talked to the guy. You haven't had a conversation with the guy. To understand, I've had many off-the-record conversations with the guy. I can tell you that dude cares almost as much as anybody, or I'd say probably more than anybody, oh, maybe yeah. outside of a few guys, about wanting this team to do well. Yeah. Didn't talk about his didn't talk about his lack of touchdowns because I mean, he could he could be complaining about that all he wants because he's like, I'm getting paid to do this and I'm not scoring touchdowns because the offensive coordinator sucks and all this other kind of stuff. You could use all you know all the all the different reasons why he wasn't scoring touchdowns. Part of it was on him. He didn't have that. He he didn't have the year that you expected him to to have last year. He also wasn't as bad as some people thought he was last year either. So people just you're gonna hold on to whatever you want to hold on to. That's fine. But as soon as you start thinking 
the dude's not a team player. He's only he only cares about himself. It's just not true. And Logan, that's we, that's just you can say I'm yeah. stupid. You can say what that's fine. Tell me right. the conversations you've had with the guy to uh, to understand because I have. That's Logan, all I gotta say. Logan says there are improvements still, but can't be happy about the office today. Believe me, we are. We are. We had to address the elephant in the room that was Deontay Johnson, and in this past week that has it, been it made a lot of people Deontay. upset. So we had to talk about it. Right. There were there were a lot of people that were on this on social media, on our very feed, just in a general sense. And like I understand a lot of it stems from drop passes and maybe running backwards after some catches, but believe us, he means incredibly well. And he's at minimum trying to be a leader for this offense. And we can be happy that the Steelers are seven and four. We can be happy that if the season ended today, they'd be the five seed in the AFC with the top wild card. We can be happy that we we got to see 400 yards of offense from this uh, yards of offense from Kenny Pickett and company. And now the glass is more than half full because the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots are the next two teams. I'm no math guy, but they are combining for four wins this season entering entering this week. Yeah. So these are two, these are two like must win. And I'm not saying like, oh, it's a must win, like like, oh, this is like a huge game. Like, no, like they cannot lose these games. Like you have to win these because they, they you don't get a lot of layups on the schedule in no, late November and December. You just don't. And so when these games come up, you you just spike it and you 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 know you say thank you and you move on. That these have to be wins. You know what, Frank? They might be one and done, but you know what else they might be? They might get to an AFC Championship game. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that as a, as like a testament to the team. I'm saying that as a testament to the AFC and how dog eat dog it's been. I mean, look, Buffalo's been terrible this year. They fired their OC and they have a Sean McDermott problem. Kansas City has warts. Denver somehow is is climbing. Cleveland has warts. Every team in the AFC has warts. There's no strong, there's no Philly over here. There's no strong AFC team that you can look at and say they're definitively number one. Like if Kansas City gets the one and in, in, in the AFC championship game becomes the, the arrowhead invitational again, then yeah, maybe I'll say Kansas City's more inclined to win the AFC. This AFC is wide open. And and yeah, they might be one and done in the postseason, but any given Sunday, any given week in this conference. Like Miami, can you trust Miami? No, because they haven't beaten anybody worth a salt. Kansas City has warts. Denver, I mean, like, okay, Baltimore, arguably the second strongest team in the in, in the conference, and Pittsburgh's beaten them. And Pittsburgh knows how to beat Lamar Jackson. You look at Cleveland. Cleveland is a team that has warts. Like, oh my gosh, I can keep going. The Chargers. Do you have faith in the Chargers? Absolutely not. No. Do you have faith in the Colts? No. The Texans, okay. That might be a team that's a little scary too. So, with that being said, if they can get in, just find a way to get in, you never know what could happen. And it's matchup dependent also. What if the Steelers play the Ravens in the first round? How do you feel about that? That's winnable. What if they play the Browns in the first round? That's winnable. What if they play Miami in the first round? That's winnable. What if they play Houston in the first round? Do you learn from week two or week four, whatever it was? Yeah, that's also winnable. There are a lot of winnable games in the AFC postseason. And if they could just make it, if they could just make it, find a way. To me, the magic number is still 11. Yeah. To me, it's still 11. Yeah. And they are at seven and four. And they're at seven and four with six to play. And two of those are cupcakes. So optimism at minimum. 
optimism. And given what the Steelers offense was able to do from a standpoint of yards and a standpoint of production, points aside, positive signs. Chris, do you have a final thought? That was kind of mine right there. Yeah, um, I have a couple. So the first thing there is, you know, just to kind of respond to that, like, yes, you, if you have to choose between, like, missing out on the playoffs, you know, in, in whatever fashion, unless you're absolutely tanking, or at least getting into the playoffs and giving yourself a chance, you're always going to opt for the for the latter. You always want to give yourself a chance, right? Yeah. Just because you probably are a one and done team doesn't mean that you get into the wild card and you just like, no, you get to the wild card. You know, who knows who you're going to play? You know, what if you have a favorable match? What if that team is really banged up? You just, you never know. And then sometimes you catch fire at the right time. The, the, the 2005 Steelers are all about that. They caught fire right at the right time and they became the first number six seed to win the Super Bowl. You never know once you get in. Um, the second thing to me is like, as a kind of, you know, to, to really, cause we, we did spend quite a bit on, on Deontay to, to really, uh, focus on like some things that were really, really good yesterday. Um, really, really love the fact that Najee had a great game yesterday. Woo! Um, Angriest I mean, run of the season, too. By the way, for fans yeah, of that program, yeah. It, I mean, it, but it wasn't even just that, and it was the fact that I've talked on here a lot about like what the Steelers do, you know, offensively when it comes to running. They're predominantly an outside zone team. If you've been on, you know, tune in the show quite a bit, you you've heard me talk about that quite a bit. Najee was ran significantly more gap yesterday than zone. Now, Najee, over the course of his career, especially professional career, has been a better zone runner than a, than a gap runner. Um, but what, when the Steelers ran duo, I'm four yards when the Steelers ran duo. Uh, that's that's <laughs> that, that's awesome, you know. Yeah. Um, and he also, I mean, he still did well running outside zone too. I don't remember what the I had my computer open, but apparently that makes me low res Chris. So I'm not going to open the computer again, but, um, but Najee had a really good game and I'm curious as to the decision. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I'm in the room, so I'm not going to, cause I was thinking like maybe the reason why they had him run more gap is because Cincinnati is a lot worse at defending gap runs than they are zone runs. Well, the numbers didn't back that up. So I'm kind of wondering was like, was that a game plan decision? You know, for from Eddie Faulkner, who again, who was also the running backs coach, to be like, no, you need to run more gap, you know, because you know this re reason A, reason B, reason C, whatever the reason is, it was productive, and Najee was good. So I kind of like am curious to see if that becomes more of a trend going forward. Just it was a really, really interesting. Um, and Jim says, you know, Cincinnati, Cincinnati keyed in on Warren. Listen, there's been a couple different times this year where. Najee was the hot hand, so they rode with him. You know, it happened in Houston. Second half, Najee started running with his hair on fire. They 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 rode Najee. This happened again yesterday. Obviously, the past few games, it's been Jalen. Jalen's been the guy. A couple games, they did ride with Najee down or with Jalen down the stretch, and then obviously against the Browns, they didn't for those last two drives, and that obviously had a lot of people wondering why the heck didn't they do that? But you know, we all died from that. Yes. Um, but I do like the fact that they rode with Najee. They didn't force the issue with Jalen. Najee was running really well. He was running good behind the gap runs. 
So they kept him in there. And I'm just curious to see what the decision was because there's almost an even split between zone and gap yesterday. And that just really had me curious of what might this offense look like in like as they continue to go forward. It's part of the power of putting Eddie Faulkner in a, in a prominent position. I'll say that much. Uh, yeah, I just right. I just wonder because like like you know that's the running I mean that's the running backs coach so he's like you know obviously he's going to be in in communication and he's going to see how the offensive line is blocking when it comes to all the cons and everything so I'm just curious to see like what the decision was behind that that's yeah all. yeah all right Mike Tomlin tomorrow at noon uh, we will have plenty of reaction of course here on Southside Beat here on DK Pittsburgh Sports remember to like and share this episode. That goes a very long way. And subscribe to us if you haven't. What are you doing? Get the notifications. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you when we're live. You know it's 3 o'clock every day, but we'll push that to your phone in case you forget on the off chance. Um, of course, we're available on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, and Spotify on the daily for playback 24-7. Uh, Mike Tomlin tomorrow at noon again, and uh, Chris and I will be back to recap all of that on Tuesday. So, for Chris Halleck, my name is Corey Christen. DK and Ramon in about 25 minutes for the Ramon Foster Show. Don't miss that. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. Peace out.